Turn, if you would, tonight to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. It's almost as though you can tell we're not having a fish fry tonight, just by looking around. But I'm glad you're here, and it's good to see you, and looking forward to this sermon tonight. I think it'll be a help to us, and uh, I think it can be anyways if we will allow it to, all right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, I thank you that you were willing to do anything so that our sins could be erased, so that we could uh, do something with our lives that would be pleasing and honoring to you. God, I pray that you'd help this message to be a help to us, that it would be a challenge in that regard, Lord, that, uh, that we would do something that would be pleasing in your sight. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we did take a break from our study of Hebrews and uh, spent some uh, time uh, in Deuteronomy last week, which is not what we're used to, but where we were nonetheless. And so it's been a couple of weeks now since we've been in this study of Hebrews. And so then uh, two weeks ago, it was verses 5 and 6 that we looked at, and the writer admonished his readers to not be covetous, to not be covetous because uh, simply meaning uh, that they did not need to be desirous of what other people had, but rather they needed to be content with such things as ye have, meaning you need to be satisfied with what you've got. Then he went on to say, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So the point in that was this, is that they needed to be satisfied with their personal relationship with a faithful God. Don't, don't allow yourselves to be covetous or to be jealous of what other people may have by way of possessions, by way of things, because they had a personal relationship with God. He went on to say in verse number 6, so that they could boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He reminded them that the world would try to get to them through stuff, through things, and the tactics of Satan has not changed at all over the years, has it? No, it hasn't. <laughs> Satan will still try to get to God's people by luring them away with stuff. Whatever that Satan can, can put in front of us to try to make us wish we had this, wish we had this, wish we could have that, whatever it may be, many, many people have compromised who they were because they were not satisfied with their relationship with Christ alone and because they wanted more, they pursued the things of this world rather than being satisfied with their relationship with Christ. It's a challenge. I don't care who we are. I don't care who God, how godly we think we are. It is a challenge to be satisfied with God alone. And if we don't believe it, if we don't believe it, all we have to do is see the times when we didn't have as much as we wanted and see how happy we really were. And most of us were not as happy as we should have been or as content as we should have been. So nonetheless, we'll move on tonight and look at another verse of Scripture. Again, as I mentioned just a moment ago, I, I, I think that this can be helpful if we allow it to be. I want to ask you a question tonight that I would assume I know the answer to. It may not be true of everyone tonight, but I think it would be true of many of us. <clears throat> and that is this. How many of you tonight, if you were to take just a moment and think about it, you can think about that one particular teacher or that one particular coach that sticks out in your mind? 
It doesn't matter how many years it's been. It doesn't matter how many uh, centuries it feels like it was. You can look back at your years in school and you would say something like this. That teacher sticks out in my mind. That teacher made an impact in my life. Can you think of someone like that? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, I don't know. Uh, But nonetheless, many can think of something or someone of that nature. If I were to ask you a question like this, again, I think I know what the answer would be, but the question is this, maybe past high school, but in those early adult years of your life, how many of us can remember someone who made an impact on our life in one way or another? Maybe it was your first employer of your first real job. Maybe it was that neighbor that you got to know whenever you bought your first house and you moved in and you were finally establishing yourself as an adult. Can you remember someone like that in your life? Someone that was just special, they made an impact, they made some kind of a difference in your life. Can you think of someone like that? Some of us can. Apparently, not everyone can. But for those of us who can, here is what we realize, that whether it be in junior high or high school or maybe even grade school, maybe that first employer, maybe that neighbor, whomever it may be, there have been certain people who have made an impact in our life in one way or another. Now, here is a follow-up question to those questions, and that would simply be this. Would it be true that if you are anything like me, you would have to admit that you don't really think of those people very often anymore. So if it was that high school teacher or that junior high teacher or that grade school teacher or maybe that first employer or that neighbor, whomever it may have been, that distant family member that you only got to see on rare occasions maybe, whomever it was that made an impact in your life, I think many of us would say this, though they made an impact In our lives, though they made an impact on us specifically, we don't really recall and we don't really think of them maybe as often as we should or as often as we ought. Because here's what I think would be true of many of us, that if we can recall those who have made an impact on our lives, we would say this, we would be better off and we would be better individuals if we implemented some of who they were into our own personal lives. Would we agree with that? They were kind, they were generous, they were giving, they were supportive, they were encouraging, whatever it may have been, if we would reflect and we would remember who they were and the impact it had on our lives, we might be better people if we tried to adopt some of what they were to us. But time's moved on and maybe distance has separated us. Maybe they've passed and and they're no longer on the scene. And so because they're no longer a part of our lives, we've forgotten about them until some preacher stands before you and says, think about them. Think about them. Or it may be some rare occasion where somebody mentions someone and it makes you think of them. But again, more times than not, You're not really thinking about them in ways that could benefit you or ways that could profit you. Now, I say that tonight for this reason. As we come to Hebrews chapter 13, there is something that we need to remember and there is something that we need to consider. For lack of better words, Christianity is relatively young at this stage of the game. 
Christianity has not been around for multiplied generations. Christianity is still in its infancy stage. Many of the people to whom are being written in this letter, they are fresh out of Judaism into this new dispensation or this new era that we refer to as Christianity. And so here is what most of the readers would not have had. They would not have had a long family heritage or a long family tradition of serving Christ in the manner in which you and I are familiar with by way of our service of Christ. Many of these people would have been first-generation Christians. Many of these people would have been people who struggled to leave a life of Judaism, to follow this Christ, to leave a life of works, to trust in Jesus Christ solely for their spiritual future and their eternal future. And so when you think about that, here's what you've got to acknowledge and here's what you've got to remember is that the reason that these people were saved and the reason that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ is because there was someone who cared enough about them to tell them about Jesus Christ. You understand this, right? These would have been Jews who were very much involved in their Judaistic lifestyle. They would have been very much involved in their religious ways, very much involved in the law. But somewhere along the way, there was someone who had placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who had come to know Jesus Christ and in salvation by grace through faith. And at some point, someone had invested in them And as a result of their investment in them, they saw a need of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. And they placed their faith in Christ and they became, again, the first generation Christians. And in addition to that, there was someone or there were multiple someones who were willing to invest in them and disciple them. This letter is living proof that someone was trying to invest in them and disciple them. They were not content for them to just be saved and then do whatever they felt right to do for the rest of their lives or to flounder and and just kind of, again, do what made sense to them. No, there were people who loved them and cared about them enough that they not only showed them their need of salvation, but once they were saved, they sought to disciple them and train them in the way they ought to go. They were there because of the efforts of someone else. Now this evening, I want us to think about this, just a little point of application, and then we're going to move on. And that is this. It does not matter who we are. It does not matter what our background is. It does not matter where we come from. The fact is this, that if you and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is because someone cared about us enough to share with us our need of Jesus Christ. We need not lose sight of this. It may have been a dad or a mom who cared about our spiritual well-being even before we were born, but it may not have been our mom or dad. It may have been someone in the family. It may have been a bus worker. It may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a pastor. It may have been a youth pastor. I don't know who it was in your life. I only know who it was in my life. But I want to remind us that none of us are here as saved men and women or children as a result of us simply 
finding out what we wanted to do with our lives spiritually. No, there was someone who invested in us and showed us our need of salvation, again, by grace, through faith in Christ. And then the fact that we're here and that we have some kind of an understanding, that we have some kind of an awareness of what the Scripture says, once more, that is living proof that someone cared about us, not just to the point of seeing that we were saved, but also seeing that we were discipled and grounded and established in the truths of God's Word. And that's critical if you think about it. It's a wonderful thing to be saved, but there is so much more to the Christian life than just salvation. So if you think about it, if all we had ever gotten was salvation, if the only thing we had ever received was salvation, but we had not been a recipient of discipleship and been a part of the growing and the maturing process, friends, we would have missed out entirely on what the Christian life was about past that. We need to be reminded that none of us, spiritually speaking, are self-made. We're not. None of us are here because, bless God, I accomplished this. Every one of us have been invested in by someone else, and all of us have had our lives affected because of the efforts of other people. So that being said, notice what it says in verse number 7. In verse number 7, he said this, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. So in verse number 7, he says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. So what is the writer referencing? What is the writer talking about? Well, he is speaking of those who have ruled over them or who have spoken unto them the word of God. And all that really means, that entire statement, all it really means is this, is those who have led you and those who have guided you along the way. Those who have ruled over you and those who have spoken or declared unto you the word of God. Now, I know this is fairly clear, but it may be something that some of us miss if we don't have it drawn to our attention. So let me just point this out. The writer did not indicate who had ruled over them or spoken unto them the word of God. It was a fairly generic reference of those who had ruled or those who had led and those who had spoken unto them the word of God. Why is that important? Because it indicates this, that it was not necessarily the sole responsibility of a pastor to have led them or to have given them the truths of God's Word. It was not just upon the shoulders of the preacher to make sure that he led them in the way they needed to go and gave them the Word of God. The truth of it was this, is that it could have been any number of people in their lives who gave them direction, who gave them clarity, who gave them understanding of what God's Word said. So whenever you look at verse number 7, you can't help but notice this one word. Remember. Remember. Remember who? Remember them. Which have the rule over you, which have led you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now think about this. Christianity is still in its infant stages, relatively speaking, at this point. 
And yet what it seems to indicate is this, is that regardless of how new and how fresh and, and how young Christianity was, there were some who had already come in and been a part of the believers' lives, but were now gone for whatever reasons we wouldn't know, but we would assume death according to the context. And here is what he said, you need to remember them. Well, what does it mean to remember? It just means this, you need to think about them. You need to recall, you need to dwell upon these individuals. So what is he saying? He's saying this, those who have led you, those who have given unto you the words of God, those of you who have given unto you the, the truths of God's word, who have helped you get grounded, who have helped you get established, you need to remember them. So why would he say remember them? Because the tendency of you and I as individuals, and for them as well, is what? To forget them. These people have had an influence in your life. These people have impacted you. These people have given you the Word of God. They led you when you needed direction. They showed you what you needed when you had doubts and uncertainties in your life. But now they're not a part of your life anymore. And the writer says you need to remember them. So think about it again for just a moment from a personal perspective. Those who had a spiritual impact in our lives, whether it be the mom or the dad or the grandparent or the aunt or the uncle or the cousin, whomever it may have been, the Sunday school teacher, the youth pastor, the preacher, whoever it was, here is what you and I need to do. We need to remember who's had an impact on our lives. We need to remember that there was someone who loved us enough to tell us about Jesus. There was someone who was faithful enough to be in that Sunday school class week after week after week after week, trying to make an impact on our lives when you and I as children, if we were in Sunday school, when we were sitting there in Sunday school looking like we were bored out of our minds. Sometimes like a Sunday night service. <laughs> I'm wanting some levity here, okay? We need to remember that there was that person who would stop by and visit us, who would stop by and check on us, that person who would not let us get by with certain sin in our lives. We need to remember them because it is our tendency to forget them. I don't know about you, I just have to admit of myself that I'm guilty of this. See, tonight if somebody were to say to me, okay, Kyle, tell me a few of the names of people who had an impact in your spiritual lives, in your spiritual life, I, I would immediately have to say, well, obviously my dad and my mom, they had an impact because I was raised in church. It was never optional. It was never something that I had a voice in or a say in. We were going to be in the house of God if, if things were going on at church, all right? I cannot deny that dad and mom played a significant role in my salvation and in my growing and in my maturing and, and who I am today. But past that, there have been certain individuals who stand out in my life. And until I was preparing this sermon, you know what I had to admit? I haven't thought of them in months, if not years. 
the very first Sunday school teacher that I really knew and believed, this man loves me and this man cares about me, was a businessman in Oklahoma City, man by the name of John Patton. The name means nothing to you. And yet to me, whenever I stopped this week and thought about who are some of the influences in my life, I remembered Brother Patton and I hadn't thought of him in years. In a church of about 3,500, he was teaching a class of about 15 of us boys. And he made it his mission to have an impact on my life. And that's what he did. And to this day, when I remember to think about him, I cannot help but think of him with a sense of fondness, with a sense of delight, and to be reminded that I am a better person because of him. And yet I never think about him. What do I need to do? I need to remember the ones who have led and the ones who have taught and the ones who have given unto me the words of God. Now, I know this may not be exciting to you, but I couldn't help but think about the Sunday school teacher I had soon after that. I mean, Brother Josh Bullard was the man who probably, from the ministry standpoint, made more of an impact on my ministry than four years of Bible college. The very first Sunday school class that I sat in and I listened to him and he was talking to our class and he was saying to us what the goals were and what his objectives were every time he stood before us. He, he said this, and I probably shared this at some point, but he said at the end of every Sunday school lesson he prepared, he asked himself the question, so what? And his statement was this. If there's nothing helpful in this, if there's nothing beneficial to this, if there is nothing that you can use from the lesson that's been taught, then so what? I'm just saying that statement has helped me more in the preaching and in the teaching that I've engaged in over the years because it reminds me if all we've done is assembled and I've said some Bible things, but there's not something that you can take home and use, then so what? Why did we assemble? But yet, if you were to ask me before this week, how often do you think of Brother Josh Bullard? I'd have to be honest and say it's been months. It's been a long time since I've thought of him. Why? Because by nature we get so busy, we get so wrapped up in what's going on that we do not remember the people who have had an impact on our lives. Am I alone in this? I, I want us to think about this. There are people who have impacted you and there are people who have made a difference in your lives and you need to remember them. You need to remember the spiritual contribution they have made in your life for this reason. If we would do it, we would be better off. You understand this, right? 
If I remember those who have influenced me and the influence they were on my life, if you will remember those who influenced you and in the manner in which they influenced you, you would be better off. Well, how do we know? Because in verse number 7, he said this, Remember them, think about them, dwell upon them, call to mind them which have the rule over you, that have led you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, notice what he said next, whose faith follow. Whose faith follow. What's it talking about whenever it speaks of a person's faith? It's talking about their conviction in the truths of God's word. That what God's Word has said, that's what God's Word means. What God has declared, that is what God intended to be taken literally and, and, and just literally in our lives. There's really no other way to say it. Okay, whenever he says this, he said, Remember them which have the rule over you that have spoken unto you the Word of God. And he said, And you want to follow their faith. So what does it mean to follow? It means this, you want to imitate that. You want to copy this in your life. So this individual who had an impact in my life, what do I need to do? I need to take their faith, which motivated them to live a particular way, which caused them to invest in certain young people like they did me 25 years ago. And what I want to do and what I ought to do is this, is I need to follow their example of faith. I need to follow their testimony and how it affected them because if I will follow that, then you know what it'll do? It'll impact my life in a similar manner, in a similar fashion. So what you and I need to do, not just myself, but you as well, you need to look at who has had an impact in your life spiritually and you need to remember them and say, you know what, I want to follow that kind of an example. They pointed me out. They, you know, they, they set their sights on me. They, they, they fixed their attention on me and they determined they were going to invest in me. They were going to, to share with me and, and let me know that they loved me and they cared about me and they wanted what's best for me. I want to follow their example of faith and how it impacted their life. So many times we forget the impact that this person had. So many times we forget the impact that this family had, whatever it is. And when we lose sight of the person who had influence on us, we lose sight many times of what drove them and what motivated them to be that kind of person. And if we lose sight of that, then we're the ones who miss out on being what we could be in our own personal lives. So in saying that, he said, whose faith follow, considering or giving attention to the end of their conversation or their manner of life. So I'll just get through this and, and, and explain this and, and see if this makes sense. Whenever you consider the people who have made an impact on your life, I know this may not be true of everyone, but have there been people who have made an impact in your life and you have followed them and you have been aware of them all the way to the end of their conversation or their manner of life? If you've ever witnessed this, isn't it amazing the kind of difference it makes to see someone who died faithful as opposed to the one who died unfaithful? 
it makes all the difference in the world. I know I've mentioned it before, and I don't mean to be repetitive, and I certainly don't mean to, to glorify someone who doesn't necessarily deserve to be glorified. That's God's responsibility. But I would say this, that on this side of heaven, few people have made as much of an impact on my life all the way to the end that I've been able to witness as much as Susie's granddad made in my life. He wasn't perfect. As I mentioned this morning, he would have been a flawed man just like any one of us. But he was a man who was faithful until the end. It makes a difference. Over the years, I'm not going to name names here, but over the years, I have done so many funerals, and, and, and it is a completely different approach to a funeral service when you're dealing with the person who has remained faithful unto the end as opposed to the one who was unfaithful in the end. See, here's the writer, and he's writing to believers who haven't been saved a great long time. They don't have years and years of heritage in their background to, to reflect upon and to draw upon. They, they only have a few years, maybe, of which they could say that they've been saved and they've been a child of God. And the writer said, listen, you need to remember the ones who have led you and the ones who have taught you, and you need to give attention to their faith, and you need to follow it. And you need to consider the end, the way in which they went out, and their manner of life, because they would have been so much better off if they followed the example and the testimony of the faithful all the way to the end. Amen. This evening... I'm not trying to bore us. I'm not trying to, to just draw this out. I, I just want us to think about this. You and I have been given some wonderful examples by way of the Christian life. God has allowed our paths to cross the paths of, of, of so many people. And they were wonderful examples of men and women who lived the Christian life to the end. Were they perfect? Of course not. Did they have areas that they still needed to work on until the day of their death? Of course they did. But they were men and women who took serious the truth of God's Word and trying to live it and trying to, to manifest it in their lives. And we would do ourselves well to remember them so that we might be able to imitate what they did and apply it to our lives. We're better off. But I want us to think about just one more thought, and it's not anything that you couldn't have come up with on your own. I just want to present this, and then we'll wrap it up. But think about it, please. Just as someone cared about us enough to invest in us, are there not other people who deserve that same kind of love and interest from us? Somebody loved us enough to tell us about Jesus. Should we not love other people enough to tell them about Jesus? We should. I'll answer the question for you. Yeah, we should. There should be people that we have such a burden for that we are actively seeking opportunities to invest in them as it relates to telling them about Jesus. 
We may not have a burden for everyone that we come across. We may not have a desire to reach everyone in the same way that we have a desire to reach someone else. But every one of us should have a desire to make an impact in someone else's life as it relates to their need for Jesus. Amen. Dad and Mom, we need to have a genuine, genuine concern for our child's walk with God. This is not something that we should just assume they'll pick up on. This is not just something that we need to just figure that they'll get it somewhere. No, that needs to be a driving factor in our lives that we want them to know Jesus. Now, you would, maybe you would, I don't know, but but so many I think would say, well, isn't that just kind of assumed? It might be assumed, but it isn't so. Amen. Amen to that as well. A lot of moms and dads are far too passive whenever it comes to teaching their children about Jesus. Amen. We ought to care. There ought to be someone at work that you've got your sights on, that you've got your heart set on, and that you want to be a witness and a testimony to them. And you're continuing to pray for them so that you might be able to share with them Jesus, so that they might be able to one day say, I was saved because this co-worker cared enough about me that they would not leave me alone. We ought to care about people as much as someone cared about us. There ought to be someone in our family that we have a burden for. Everybody in my family saved. No, they're not. You've got cousins, you've got aunts, you've got uncles, maybe you've got parents, maybe you've got siblings, and they don't have a personal relationship with Christ. We need to remember what someone did for us, and we need to imitate that kind of faith in our lives and have a burden for some people in our family. I think so many times we as Christians, we just get so wrapped up in our own little world, in our own little lives, and and we don't even think to have a burden for them. And one day they're going to enter into eternity and they will have never heard the gospel from us, though we claim to have had a burden for them. If someone did that for us, should we not be willing to pass that on to someone else? I mean, shouldn't it be said at some point in the future that someone is looking back, maybe when some preacher stands before them and says, who had a spiritual impact on your life? Shouldn't they be able to say, you know, it was this individual and then place your name there? But if we're not careful, we'll not remember what was done for us. So therefore, we'll not imitate it in our own lives and we'll miss out and someone else out there who needs Jesus will miss out. Think about this. If there was someone here in this text that had taken the time to invest, not just in the salvation process, but in the discipleship process, in in the maturing process, if someone was doing that for them and someone has done that for us, Should we not have a burden and a desire to be that person in someone else's life? There are people out there and they're saved, but they don't have the the grounding and the the base that they need to be established and, and to be the men and women of faith that they need to be. It should be our desire to be that voice of spiritual maturity 
that would help grow them and help develop them and help disciple them in the way they ought to go. Brother Kyle, that takes effort. I know it does. Brother Kyle, that'll take so much of my time, that'll take so much of my energy. Yes, the very same thing that someone was willing to invest in us, their time and their energy, we ought to be willing to follow that example and to imitate that example. Their faith, which drove them to do that for us, it ought to be that we would say, I want to imitate that and I want to replicate that in someone else's life. We ought to have the sight set, so to speak, on certain individuals. Not that we're going to make their lives miserable and they want to duck uh, duck and dodge every time they see us. But there ought to be certain people that we just kind of determine, you know what, I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to be nice in the way that I do it. I'll be careful in my approach. I'm not going to come on too strong. But that is someone that I want to invest in. That is someone that I want to have an impact in so that hopefully one day they can say that I was a help to them like this individual was a help to me. But friends, if we don't remember how we got to where we're at today, we'll not remember that someone else needs that same kind of help for them to get where they they need to be. We're selfish sometimes. And let's just admit it. We're selfish sometimes. And oftentimes we're lazy. It's just going to require too much of us. Well, friends, we need to remember who led us and who taught us when they had a job that they had to work when they had a family that they needed to raise, when they had obligations that they needed to meet. We're not the first generation of busy people raising families with obligations before us. And yet there was someone out there who invested in someone else we've been invested in, and by all means, we need to remember that. And not just periodically from time to time when the preacher says, has anybody ever influenced us? And we say, yeah, someone has. No, we need to remember that so that we might imitate it. And we need to consider the end of their conversation, the end of their manner of life, how they exited, how they left this world for those who have already passed. And it ought to be our desire that we would say, God... That's how I want to go out. I want to go out faithful. God, I want to go out continuing to have a burden for other individuals. God, as I go out, I want to be as effective in impacting people's lives as much as I can regardless of what age I have reached, regardless of what stage of life I has come, what I have come to, God, I want to be faithful to the end. Can I just remind us that if we're not mindful of the need to be faithful to the end, especially by following the examples of other people, it will not happen on accident. If we don't have a desire to go out faithful like so many examples before us have gone out faithful, 
will not go out as faithful as we ought to be. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Just going to ask you again this evening, spiritually, who made a difference in your life? Who was it? I would suspect that right now you're already thinking about someone who made a difference in your life spiritually. You know what you need to do? Imitate them. And be that to someone else if you're not. Be to them what they were to you. Giving attention to the end of their conversation so that you and I might be able to go out in a similar fashion. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to do exactly what the Scripture encouraged and challenged the believers in Hebrews to do. Lord, would you help us to remember who's been a help to us? And Lord, they may still be alive. I understand that. But Lord, would you help us to understand and, and to be reminded tonight that we would be so much better off if we would take that person's example and try to follow it in our own lives. And Lord, if it's true of some in here this evening that they've forgotten, that they've not been mindful like I would have to admit, I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to just remember that there were some people who invested in us and we need to invest in someone else so that others might be benefited by your word. So I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.